Oh, I missed one. We'll see how that turns out when, we, when it goes. <laughs> All right. Okay, hello and welcome just to family. This is giving you something to talk about or just a live TV as I like to call it. I'm your host, Melissa Kretschler. I'm an identity coach, spiritual teacher, business mentor, creator, and founder of not only just a live TV, but also the Women Supporting Women Can Network. Um, please like, follow, and share the show, join our newsletter, and make sure that you keep up to date on our amazing topics and our amazing guest speakers that we have on daily, Monday to Friday. Um, we are going to be talking about addiction and mental health today. Uh, just because it doesn't look great, just because it looks great on the outside doesn't mean it's not rotting on the inside. And it's a powerful topic, and I hope that you guys all find value in it. Our sponsor today is a Phoenix Identity, who is offering you the opportunity to join the Empowered Warrior Women Challenge. It was supposed to start today, it will be starting next Monday due to unforeseen circumstances with my husband and breaking his bones. So <laughs> we will be starting that a week late. Go check the link in the description for that. Um, if you would like to get in touch with either myself or my guest speaker, Brittany Young, you can do so. Our links are in the description. And I'm going to hand it off to our guest speaker today, Brittany Young, to introduce herself. Brittany, would you go ahead? Yeah, thank you, Melissa, for having me. Hi, everyone. My name is Brittany Young, as Melissa mentioned. I'm an executive wealth strategist, and I help female entrepreneurs in male-dominated industries who are looking to achieve greatness in both their life and their business, and I do this through what I call the permission process. That sounds awesome. Sorry, I couldn't unmute there. <laughs> Apparently, I wasn't supposed to talk. Um, that sounds awesome. I love that you do that. We are, you and I talked in our pre-screening interview, and if I keep looking over, it's because I have our notes from the pre-screening interview uh, beside me. Now, you've been in recovery as an addict for a very long time. You've been in recovery, what now, eight, over eight years. Yes, ma'am. And I'm, God willing, coming up on nine years in September. Yep. That's awesome. I, I was addicted. I still am. I think, I think we're constantly always still addicted to whatever it is that we're addicted to. I do have my addictions, Pepsi smoking. Um, but I was addicted to drugs when I was younger. And while it wasn't an everyday thing, the addiction is still there. Um, it just the control over it is different, right. Or the, the thought behind it, but we were talking about, and one of the sentences, which is why I titled it that, one of the sentences that you and I talked about in the pre-screen interview was, just because something looks good on the outside doesn't mean that it's good on the inside. And there's so many scenarios that we see that. I thought about, you know, the apple. You could have a beautiful, beautiful red, shiny apple, but on the inside, it could be rotting right? And get a worm in there, whatever, right? So there's so many different things, a flower, right? You open a flower and it could be dead on the inside. You never know. Yeah. I think when it comes to addiction, a lot of people only look at the exterior, what's going on on the person's body, face, arms, legs, um, only what we can see. And there's this misconception uh, about what's really going on within, not just physically, liver rotting, 
intestines, all these different things in your physical body. But if we talk about your mental capacity, your spiritual capacity, and then what's going on in your energy field, I mean, talk about emptiness. And on the flip side of emptiness is this go, 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 hustle, hustle, hustle to get to the drug, the alcohol, the money, the sex, whatever it may be, because addiction is not just drugs and alcohol. And in my line of work, it's hustle. I'm addicted to hustle. I'm addicted to money. I'm addicted to go, go, go is, is what I see within my field. And I'm sure you see it too with the identity work of, of women feeling like we always have to do. And so when we talk about it doesn't look good on the inside, this is what we're referring to. Yeah. I love how you said that. I, you know, no matter which one of my businesses it is, right. And, and I have multiples, <laughs> but no matter which one it is, it is, it's, for me, I find it's the question of the answers, right? We always feel like we have to have the answer. We have to have the answer of who we are. We have to have the answer. We have to people please. We have to be who everybody else wants us to be. There's so many things that we become addicted to over the course of our lifetime. We don't even realize it. When people, a lot of the time, what, I, what I've experienced, not only with myself, but my clients as well, is when you're not happy emotionally, like when your mentality, when your mental health is struggling and you're not happy, it could be something minor. It could be something very large. It could be very traumatic, but when you're not happy, you will look for outside sources to combat that, that emotion, whatever the emotion is that you're feeling, you look for outside sources. That's when we start to abuse drugs, alcohol, sex, you know, the hustle, the, the grind, the, all of it, we, we start to abuse that. And we start to say, I need that. I need that. I need that in order to do this. I need that in order to do that. Right. And that's how we, we start to function. And then once we get kind of further along there, the panic and anxiety sets in the, you know, addiction is trying to either replace or numb an emotion because we can't process it. We can't control that emotion or the outcome of that emotion. And so we numb it or push it aside or any of those things. And then eventually it leads to, you know, the exterior things, the, um, you know, as, as it long-term, then you get the exterior, right? The, the weight loss, the, the, the feature changes, the, you know, um, even suicide and depression uh, come after that, right? It's, and so um, I had an employer at one point, I'm not going to go into names or, or too many details. Um, I had an employer, I was nine months pregnant with my now 13 year old daughter. And it was actually this time, what, what is today? It's the 11th. So it was yesterday. So 13 years ago, yesterday, I was at work. I was supposed to be going on leave. And unfortunately, uh, my employer who, uh, you know, had, had a drinking, a, a drinking problem, right? Like, I mean, he was, he was borderline an alcoholic, if not an alcoholic, um, I didn't know enough about his personal life to know whether he was, but I believed so, um, committed suicide while I was at work and you didn't see the addiction on the outside. 
Like, like you saw some symptoms of it, but most people wouldn't see the outward symptoms of that addiction. It was internalized. And I think people don't realize that just because you can't see what's going on the inside that, oh, their, their life is great. They're, they've got all of this. Right. And, and we tend to situationally shame people because we see their situation from our point of view, but don't realize that our point of view isn't the one, the one that we need to be seeing. Yeah. I mean, I had it all right. I was 23. I just graduated. I had a full-time job. I bought a house. I had all the things, the the things you're supposed to have no debt and life looked grand, except I was suffering. And I, I chose, I chose for many years to stay in that suffering because I didn't know how to get out of it. And I, I decided that it was the only way to make me actually feel better, even though it was actually numbing, like you said, everything that was really going on within. And I did not feel I had a safe space or a person or people to turn to. Everything felt discombobulated, disoriented. I, I, I was very bewildered at that point of my life. Like, who am I? And I'm sure your clients, as much as mine can relate to, like when we cut that off, we cut that cord of the addiction of who we thought we once were, then we're really starting at ground zero of building the foundation back over of actually, I never knew who I was. That's one. Or I know exactly who I was and I just put her on the shelf for a little bit. And so we start to see as, as an addict comes into realization that now I can accept where I am, who I am, hopefully I'm not on the verge of suicide or death, that I can finally get to the other side of like, okay, I can accept that I am having this problem. Now, where do I go? Now what's next? And building off of that foundation and, and really looking at I can actually gain power from this. This is not a, a problem. It's now my power. And so I start to see addiction when I start to see people go into recovery. Doesn't matter the addiction, but really looking at actually it's your it's your superpower. It's it's something that you put back on the shelf for a little bit, but let's invite it back into your life, not the actual addiction but the power behind it that you once lost. And I don't know about you, but I'm at this point right now in my life with a two-year-old toddler who is struggling to sleep, um, really finding my, my strength, my inner strength and my inner knowing, gaining momentum and really taking hold in my business and my motherhood of actually I have the power over you two-year-old and (laughs) I'm not going to let you win this battle. Um, But more so, you know, when it comes to addiction, like you have to realize that you do have the power. You do have the decision to make to finally put it down. Um, Yes, you're powerless over your actual addiction, whatever that is, but that doesn't mean that you're powerless over your life. Yeah. 
I find, so one of the reasons, and many of our, our viewers who've followed the show for <laughs> since the beginning, we're on episode 93 today. This is amazing. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, for the last, I started my coaching practice six years ago. And the reason I started it, started it was one, my own son. My son was going through um, self-harm. He was cutting drugs and alcohol, just getting himself into really negative situations. He was having a hard time coping with his emotions. Um, he did an episode, he did our very first episode. If anybody wants to watch that, it's only on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, it's our very first episode with my own uh, 19-year-old son. But at that time, I had gone to do some readings because I'm a psychic intuitive medium, hence the spiritual teaching business. <laughs> um, I had gone to do some readings at an expo and I had a couple 13 year old girls come up to me and they're like, within five minutes of the reading, they're, they're crying. They're, they're absolutely breaking down. And I looked at them and I watched them and I and in talking with them and kind of picking up on what they were going through, I, I saw my own son and I realized that there was a lack of coping skills. There was a lack of knowing your identity as you're going through all of the changes that teens do, right? But at the same time, two of my favorite musicians had committed suicide. And that was Chester Beddingfield of Lincoln Park and Chris Cornell. And I was so angry. And then shortly thereafter, sorry, again, shortly thereafter, uh, somebody that I knew had committed suicide. And so I'm sitting there and I'm looking at these young 13 year olds, 14 year olds who are horribly struggling in their mental health and in their, their identity. And then you've got these adults who seemingly have absolutely everything, right? And yet their only resort is suicide because they can't, they're not coping. They're not processing how they're feeling. And so I started my practice specifically for those because when you have people, and, and I know you see it too, right? With your own clients, I'm, I'm a business mentor as well. So I know you're a coach, but <laughs> I'm a business mentor and I see it. The people who are high achievers, the people who, and I'm not, this is not saying that anybody else watching who isn't a higher achiever or isn't, you know, at that, the level that I'm about to talk to, you're not, that doesn't mean you're any different. I'm just saying that I've noticed this and it was my perspective and why I started is that people who have high profile positions, people who have really hustle jobs, you've got coaches, you've got, and coaches is a very high hustle job. It's you, you constantly going entrepreneurs, CEOs, politicians, musicians, actresses, and actors, actors. Um, you have all of these high profile people, right? Not only are they worried, even just regular everyday people who turn to addiction. Once you've started the addiction, it's easy to start it because you feel free. You feel good. It's making you feel good. By the time you realize that it's not good, you feel like it's too late. If people find out, then they're going to reject you. If people find out, then they're going to ridicule and belittle you and absolutely turn your life upside down. So how do you turn for help when you can't vocalize that you have something going on. And that's why we did today's episode of 
you know, just because it looks good on the outside doesn't mean it's not rotting on the inside. People who are struggling with mental health and addiction, their internal struggle is the equivalent to walking across coals. It's the equivalent to drowning in a sea of, of water. It, it's the equivalent to some of the most traumatic, horrifying experiences, but it's internal. It's a battle with yourself. And that's almost worse because you control yourself, right? If somebody comes up to you and victimizes you, you're not controlling them. You can't control their actions. But internally, you're victimizing yourself. You're in control. Mm -hmm. And you don't realize it. Because you're, the, the actual addictive tendency or behavior is blocking it. You know, for me, it was the alcohol literally blocking that, that inner turmoil. But what was really going on was the paranoia. Who's watching? Who, who can actually see what's going on in my life? And when everyone cut me off, and said, you know, we, we don't want anything to do with you. Have a nice life until you're, you're ready to, to commit to sobriety and recovery. Um, I literally was like, okay, because I could see that the world around me was crumbling and I could feel inside that the world inside of me was crumbling and dying. You know, I, I had gone to the doctor at one point and the doctor said, should you continue this way, uh, you'll be dead within six months. You cannot continue drinking. The amount of alcohol that you are drinking, your liver is literally at like 60% function. You need help. Um, to which I did not go to rehab because I was ashamed. Just like those artists, I was so ashamed and, so, and I felt so much guilt riding on my back who what are people going to think of me how am I going to be perceived I did have a high profile job I worked at a top pharmaceutical company and everyone around me had no idea had no idea until one day I came in and I was still drunk from the night before um, and they started noticing patterns and eventually I got let go and you know, unfortunately, that didn't stop me. It was somebody saying to me, you could be fully exposed your whole life. Like I could blast your entire life out into the ether and everyone could see, are you okay with that? And when that person said that to me, the answer was no. And a few weeks later after that, I, I said, okay, I, I would rather continue drinking than my life be exposed. So when we're talking about the, the insides not feeling good, that's exactly what we're discussing is like, you don't fully accept what's really going on inside. So you'd rather continue hustling, continue grinding, continue not identifying with who you really are and allowing for that substance whatever it may be to pretty much take over your life. Yep. And you give it control. Yep. You give it control. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I'm doing the. Yeah. 
I'm doing the empowered warrior women challenge. And that's what we're doing. Five ways you're giving away your control or giving away your power. Right. And we do it all the time. There are so many ways that we're giving away our power. Addiction is one of those, right? We're, we're giving power to the emotion that we're missing or the feeling that we're missing by saying, I have to have that feeling excuse me, I have to feel that way. And the only thing that makes me feel that way is this substance or action or, or whatever it may be. When in reality, you can create that feeling within yourself. You just have to be able to, you know, look at it differently, right? Addiction is a perspective. It's, it starts with a, with a, with a perspective that you can't process or that you can't, you just maybe don't know how at that point. Right. Right. Um, for anybody watching or, or catching the replay of this, if, if you feel unhappy in your day to day, if you feel unhappy and the only thing that provides you with happiness or even a semblance of numbness is drugs, alcohol, sex, hustle, whatever it may be, if you have feelings of unhappiness and you're trying to block them or mask them or push them aside or numb them, then you need to talk to somebody. And the sooner you do it, the better, because then maybe you won't get to that point. Maybe you won't become absolutely and utterly addicted. When the positivity movement started around the same time I started coaching and it was oh, be positive and think positive and everything will be okay as long as you think positive and be positive. That doesn't work. It doesn't work, right? You're gaslighting. <laughs> right, it is. You're, you're basically bypassing. Yep. And those feelings don't go away, right? They don't hide. They don't go away. You don't ignore them until they're non-existent. They stay in your energy they stay in your body they stay in your mind you just push them aside and then it's it's like imagine dust bunnies we all have dust bunnies in our house right we all have like this pile of dust you either vacuum it or sweep it or whatever imagine sweeping that dust into a corner for six months a year five years 20 years it's going to take over that entire room wherever it is that you're putting it because you're not actually doing anything about it, right? Our negativity is the same way. Our emotions are the same way. If you don't process them and acknowledge them, they're not actually going anywhere. And then that's when suicide, that's when massive emotional depression, that's when we start turning to addiction, right? And then eventually it's overwhelming. Yep. And this is exactly why I created the permission process, because it's about awareness, release, and creation. Awareness of those feelings that they actually exist and stop pushing them away. You know, I had a client this morning tell me, well, I'm, I'm just in fear. Okay, but are you feeling that fear? Or I'm glad that you can identify it which is great. That's step number one, but step number two is actually releasing that fear. And some people just cannot get past that. They, they don't have the tools to understand what it means to release their emotions, which is why they hire people like you and I. And then the third um, 
the third piece of the permission process is creation, whether it's creating wealth, creating a sustainable emotional strategy around what you're going through, um, whether it's a, a business plan, a business strategy. So it has been a blessing in my own life and to be able to pass it on to others is, is wonderful. Um, when we sit in that fear for too long, that takes over, right? So that becomes also the cycle. And so you have the addiction and then you have the fear and then you're really stuck because then everything feels like, well, I just can't fix it. So where coaches come in, like Melissa and I, helping you see that <clears throat> you're worthy of going through this journey. You're worthy of stepping out of what you're currently experiencing and looking forward to what's to come. And, and yeah, positivity, love and light, it's all BS because you're not taking action. You're just having a moment, right? You're in the moment, oh, I'll be positive. What about taking action and deciding that you're worthy, deciding that you deserve whatever it is that you're looking toward and forward. And whether that's creating your new identity or becoming the best version of yourself. Yeah. And it's deciding in spite of. Yes. Right. That I think people don't, don't see enough. It's deciding. Do you know how powerful it is to look at something and be like, that's not good for me. Right. And, and if you're a recovering addict, right. Or I, I can't remember the proper terminology right now, but I know that it's, um, if you are recovering or in recovery, yep. you've yeah. taken that step. How powerful are you for actually taking that step in the first place? Right. And just reminding people that you have that power. Mm -hmm. right? Your strength is, you know, even if while you're in active addiction, right? Im think of all the things that you had to, that you've experienced in that active addiction. Think of all the things that you experienced before that active addiction, right? The only reason you're in addiction is because you didn't know how to process. Right. So now you're like, I can't live this way anymore. I'm not happy. This is not working for me. I want to be the best possible version of myself and create a life that I'm happy and in love with. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, okay, so the, just the fact that you said that is step one, right? It, it just acknowledgement, right? Because you do need to acknowledge. And then it's working through that. Now, somebody like me and you, I'm not going to judge you. We're not going to judge you. We yeah. have no right in this world to judge another human being unless it is morally wrong or legally. That's it, right? Even then, I'm not going to judge you because I've done morally and illegal things before. I'm not going to judge you. I, there, I have no place to judge you. Yeah. But I am going to hold you accountable. Mm-hmm right? There is a difference between judgment and accountability, right? Our reality is entirely created by our choices, 
right? If you are an addict and you're homeless or whatever it is that you're experiencing, you have created that not consciously. So that's hence the non-judgment because you didn't know any better, right? You, even if you did, it happened. It's, a, it's now part of the past, right? There's no judgment, but holding yourself accountable for that is very important. Mm -hmm. right? You're accountable for where you're at. You're accountable for whether you stay there. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, deciding in spite of the fact that you are an addict. I know that my addictive tendencies are still there. Right now it's around getting better feeling better in my body, rearranging my cells, if you will, to, to have a better, um, healthy journey. So I can have another baby or I can take a vacation and not feel a certain type of way in a bathing suit. So I'm addicted right now to bettering my health, but my mindset is not the same, right? I don't look at that type of work as well I got to do everything I did when I was in in addiction to alcohol meaning I set everybody and everything aside just to focus on this so in spite of my previous addictions I get to decide right now that I'm enough I get to decide right now that I'm powerful and I am going to hold myself accountable and the flame to my butt to say you know, not that it's now or never, but I'm choosing that I'm worth it. I'm choosing that I'm powerful. I'm choosing that my insides get to look just as good as they do on the outside right now. So despite your past, despite your circumstances, you have the power. We're given free will for a reason. And it has been the biggest mind shift for me personally to step out of I don't have a choice to actually I'm extremely powerful I'm going to accept my past and I'm going to move forward from this from this day from this you know this moment on yeah absolutely one of the things I wanted to mention with addiction is you can be addicted to things that are toxic that you may not even know are toxic so I have um a, a, not a case study but I have a example that I can share I had a friend uh when they were younger it was their family was very much into working out and you know body um you know the, the appearance right the outward appearances and the health right they were very much into health and wellness and to the point where if this person was five to 20 pounds off of their ideal weight it was a problem and now or not now but previously it was all about their outward appearance but they hated themselves on the inside, absolutely hated themselves on the inside for you and me to look at this person, the most beautiful, loving person you will ever meet, but on the inside, pure hatred, yeah. self-hatred, self-deprecation, self-sabotage, 
um, all of that, right? Dieting can be an addiction. Um, binging can be an addiction. There's so many different, again, like we were saying in the beginning, so many different variations of addiction. There are positive addictions that are actually just as toxic as drugs and alcohol, right? Um, addiction with your appearance there, you know, uh, body modifications and not to say that that's necessarily addiction to each their own, right? If you want to get your, your body done, get your body done. Right. But there is a time when it becomes an addiction and then it's not healthy anymore. Yeah. For me, a couple of years ago, prior to, um, finding the love of my life and getting married and having a baby, I was addicted to fitness. I started entrepreneurship out as a health and wellness coach and fitness became my thing. And so I was in the gym 24 seven and, you know, unfortunately thought, oh, you're, you need to look better because everyone else is looking better. You need to have the six pack, you need to do all these things. But what I didn't realize was how harmful I actually was treating my body. I wasn't sleeping. Um, yes, I had the outward appearance, but on the inside, I was extremely angry and I thought, oh, I'll just take it out on the weights. Oh, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll go into the gym. I'll act like a badass. Everything will be great. And then when I leave, all will be well, but that anger followed me everywhere. And it, it kind of trickled from my actual addiction into now this new addiction, which actually helped me get sober. I did CrossFit, that's how I got sober and um, continued carrying that anger with me, never really looked at it from a different perspective. So when I had a baby in 2020 and postpartum depression hit me, that anger came out. And I'm so happy it did because now at this point in my life and my career, that piece of anger is actually being channeled now into boldness. So I've rewired my brain, but also chemically rewired myself to understand that, yes, I was actually addicted to the anger. Alcohol masked my anger. So I was addicted to the emotion, that feeling of rage, that feeling of freaking out and then everything was fine. So after having her and the last two and a half years of really working through this, seeing that now my anger is my boldness, it's my superpower. It's something that I get to use in my coaching practice and, you know, making sure that people hear this message clearly that in spite of who you used to be, everything from your past gets to work for you in your favor in the future and in the now. And it's up to you. Like Melissa said, it's up to you. You choose. We do not judge. Like I come from a full family of judge, right? I don't need to be judged any more than I've already had to be judged. I'm not going to put you on a, on a seat in front of an auditorium and say, Let's point out all Melissa's flaws. Absolutely not. Because she could do the same to me. And we know that doesn't feel too good. So our job as both mentors, mothers, 
and women in society is to hold you accountable for your actions, is to hold you at that higher standard because we believe in you. We believe that you are not your addiction and you have the power to change within that inward appearance. And it means everything to us to see you grow. 100% wholeheartedly. And I love you said that. I love that you talked about putting you on a pedestal. It's, I, I did, we did an episode last week and I, I recorded a TikTok because it's one of the most meaningful um, examples that I can use. If you have a child, uh, a sibling, a parent, your best friend, whoever it is, let's say they're on a platform. And as they're on this platform or this stage, they have multiple people around them pointing out all their flaws, pointing out all of their failures, all of everything that they don't like, they're pointing out. And as they're pointing out all of these things about this person that you love, is their opinions going, are their opinions going to change how you feel about that person on the stage? Most likely not right? If you're a father or a mother, or, you know, like I said, your best friend, think of the one person you love beyond belief. And some other people are making fun of that person or pointing out all of their issues. Are you going, is that going to change how you feel about that person? Not usually, right? Not usually, right? But we as individuals are doing that to ourselves, right? Oh, my aunt said this, so I'm going to take that on and I'm going to start saying that to myself. Oh, I'm stupid, so I'm going to repeat that into my head. Or whatever it is that you're seeing in your inner dialogue, you're not holding yourself accountable for the way that you're speaking to yourself, the way that you're treating yourself. If all of these other people are treating that person that you love horribly, you're going to stand up for them. Right. Why aren't you doing the same thing for yourself? That's why I don't judge people. We mm -hmm. internally, never mind all the people around us, we internally are horrible to ourselves until we figure out, hey, you know, I don't have to be this way. Right. Joe Blow down the street doesn't get to decide whether I look good in a bathing suit or, you know, whatever that looks like. Your life is not meant to be perfect. You are not meant to be perfect. You are imperfectly you. You, you need to learn unconditional love, right? And that's, and I, and that's, why I, that's why this episode is so important because you can absolutely be rotting on the inside. And on the outside, everybody's like, oh, you're beautiful and you have everything and look at your career and look at your partner and look at your kids and look at, and none of it matters. Not yeah. a single one of it matters if you don't feel that within yourself. Mastering your inner dialogue will always create wealth mm -hmm. in the mind first. It just does. And again, like the decision we can only lead you so far. You literally have to make the decision to say, okay, enough. I name, I don't know about you, but I literally name all, I did at least, all the voices that were going on. All the, you're fat, you're ugly, 
um, you'll never be successful or you'll be too big and everyone will find out your past. I named all of these voices and I had a conversation with each one of them and I made my heart my judge. So she had the gavel and when she decided to bang the gavel, all these voices were going to sit down and listen. So we had a party and all the voices understood that the heart came first and they tried to defend their position. And, and so I know I sound crazy, but this is what I did in my own head. And my heart won. She won the case and she continues winning because she can tell my mind, it's okay. It's okay you feel this way, but I'm gonna decide for us where we're going. I'm gonna decide for us how we're feeling. I'm gonna put you first, right? Brain, you know, you have every everything that you need, but let me protect you now. So in, in my life, in my career, my heart leads the way. And if I'm not heart conscious, then my ego tries to come in and my addictive tendencies try to break through. And you and I both know that that's an ugly three-headed monster. So by having that inner dialogue, we're hiring someone to help you with that mindset of, well, what's really going on in here is I'm not enough. We both know that's not true. Having people like Melissa and I really come in to, to kind of soothe you in our best way possible to, to bring you back to the best version of yourself. And what's so important about that is we get to love on you and we get to see you for you. So yeah, all those people that are saying things about you, all the, all the things that you're saying about yourself, please know it's not true. And it's just your mind spinning and concocting all these different poisons, if you will, which can become addictive. And there is a way out. There's definitely a way out. Yeah, you got me all hyped now. I was like, as Cindy was saying that, you know, we're your confident, your confidants, right? We're the people that you can go to and you can lay it all out. There is nothing people can tell me that I'm not going to accept, right? Because it's not me. Right. I will accept your feelings, your thoughts, your desires, your needs. I will accept them because they are yours. They are not mine. They do not directly impact me or my beliefs. I will accept them. Not only that, your dreams, I'm going to hype you up. I'm going to hype you up. I'm going to be your hype man, your cheerleader, your, your wing nut, whatever it is that you need. I'm going to be that for you. Right. And say, Hey, you got this right. The whole purpose of a coach is to build you up, to help you learn, to help you excel, to help you reach a new heights and new levels to help you succeed and try your hardest and be the best person you can be. You, right? You, that's the focus is you. And it always should be. I'm my number one priority. I mm -hmm. have the husband, I have the kids, I have the businesses and all of that comes next to me. Yep. And they know that everyone in my house, uh, right before we did this episode, 
um, that last week, not this, this weekend, but the weekend before my husband dislocated and broke all three bones in his ankle. It's not, he can't walk, (laughs) he can't put any pressure on it. Um, all the kids are at home. There's, you know, school's out for the summer. I tend to take my mornings for myself. Right. And then the afternoons I do the show. I, you know, do whatever I need to do around the house. Um, you can't see it, but I have a pile of laundry just right here that needs to be folded and put away for the last like three days because I just haven't wanted to do it because I'm trying to put myself first while creating a new routine because what I was doing two weeks ago isn't what I'm capable of doing now Mm -hmm. right things change and so today I walked into my kitchen I was getting ready for the show because I hadn't prepped a single effing thing (laughs) it was one (laughs) o'clock I had lunch at 12 30 and I got my husband lunch because of course he can't do anything and he's like situated downstairs and so I'm sitting there and then all of a sudden my daughter wants lunch. And I'm just like, for F's sake, like, I know I need to feed her. And I'm like, can you just make yourself some like pizza pops or something? Like, you know how to make those. Like, that's one of those things you can make yourself. Right. And she's like, no, I want this. And I'm like, and I got <laughs> really, really angry. And I'm not angry at her. I'm angry at the situation. So I go into the kitchen. My kitchen is a disaster right now. Probably not right now, but it was uh, an hour and a half ago. And I walked into the living room. My whole family is there except for my oldest. All three children and my husband are all like in that general vicinity. And I'm in tears. And I said, I can't do this. I am not okay. I said, I am overwhelmed. I'm stressed out. I can't walk into my bedroom, my kitchen, my living. Like I can't walk through this house without feeling overwhelmed at the amount of things that need to be done. I said, I don't mind doing all of these things. I really don't. I said, but the mindset's different because now dad can't do any of it. I said, so now it's all on me said, for the first few days, you guys were awesome. You picked everything up. Totally great. I said, but because I'm not on you, because I'm trying to figure out my routine now, I'm getting angry every day for the past four days. I've gotten angry at the same time every day. And it's because I like to spend my mornings doing whatever the hell I want. (laughs) That's like my time. I do whatever I want. But of course, all of the kids, I don't hear anything for the first few hours of the day because they're either sleeping in or they're doing their own thing but as soon as I get up to do something it's mom 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 right it's they all want everything at once right now my youngest daughter is horrible horrible for asking me to make her something to eat or do something for her at one o'clock I don't know why she waits until one o'clock right lunch is at noon but I don't know why she waits until one o'clock. Well, from one to two, that's my, that I, that's my prep time. I do what I need to do. I get ready for the show. I prep all the information for the show. And then I just chill before the show. Right. No, no, it wasn't happening. Right. And lately, because I'm not doing what I need to be doing as a parent, as a mom, as you know, one of the main people in this household, everybody else isn't doing what they're supposed to be doing. So the kitchen's not getting done. So when people walk in there, it's like, oh, I'm going to just put my plate on the counter instead of putting it in the dishwasher. Right. 
And then I get even more frustrated. And I understand they're overwhelmed. So I, again, went into the living room, process of the story, sorry. I went into the living room and I said, this is not okay. I said, I'm not trying to put my mood on you, but you need to understand that you're not helping me either, right? You're part of this family. You're all capable of doing the things that you need to be doing. I said, you expect me to drop everything that I'm doing to provide you with what you want or what you need, but you're not doing the same you need to start helping. And it was very emotional and profound. My two of my oldest both got up to the kitchen. I haven't heard them in the last hour. So I'm assuming my kitchen is spotless right now. Um, so just random things like that. Right. But they get used to, okay, well, mom takes the morning to herself and doesn't really do much. I'm going to do that all day. <laughs> it's like, no, there is, you have to, you have to be able to vocalize. That's where I'm going with this story, right? You have to be able to understand what your triggers are, what your addictions are, and be able to vocalize those needs. Those people around you, like, like myself, even Brittany, if you have nobody at home, if you have no friends and family that you can turn to, that you can trust, that you're able to communicate your needs to, find somebody who you can right? I have the women supporting women can group, right? It's a support group for women where you can rant and rave and vent and ask for help, not monetary. Obviously we're not there to, you know, it's a support group, emotional, mental, you know, help pick you up when you're feeling down or give you insight or tips when you're, you know, you're trying to succeed, whatever that looks like, find places where you can be you and express. We need to be able to express. And one of the biggest things about stopping addiction or helping with addiction is giving that voice, giving you the ability to express how you're feeling in a non-judgmental safe space just to be yourself. Yep. And what I love about that story is you, you became a leader in that moment. Mm-hmm. You're already a leader because you're a mom. You're already a leader because you're a coach and you're a business owner. But in that moment, really stepping up and saying, uh-uh, I'm the leader. And leaders don't come from behind. They push forward. They go first. And so if you're truly trying to find ways to lead in your life, you need to step it up and say enough is enough. Uh, if I don't vocalize, if I don't express, and if I hold this in, what's, what's really going to happen to me? You know, you're one, you're going to drown in your emotions and two, the addiction is going to, to take over completely. Yep. So by you being able to express fully of who you are, your needs, your wants, your desires, exactly what you're going through. Why will we judge that, right? We're here to help you through it. We're here just like Melissa's kids cleaning, hopefully cleaning the kitchen. Um, we're here to help you create the life that you desire, the magic that really comes after the addiction. So if you're feeling like there's, there's still some work to do. That's okay. Um, there is no judgment. There is acceptance and there's accountability. 
um, and awareness, but we are not here to, to place blame, to judge, and to get you to a place of feeling at peace. Um, and, and really to help you feel like you can land in safety. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm glad you pointed that out because I didn't know how to shorten and word that is taking away the overwhelm, right? One of my biggest problems is that I was overwhelmed with just how much I had to do. And because I was overwhelmed and not doing any of it, the, everybody else thought, okay, well, mom's not doing it. So I'm not going to do it. And instead I said, no, just because I'm not doing it doesn't mean you're not doing it. I'm, and it's not even making them do what I'm not willing to do. It's saying I need help. Mm -hmm. I feel overwhelmed, right? A lot of the time when we're facing addiction, when we're facing mental health issues, we're feeling overwhelmed by the emotions that those are causing. And that's exactly it. Our mental health, right? Our reality, our over, it's, it's emotional, right? Our mind, our belief system says this situation is making you emotional. And then you get, <laughs> then you get trapped in that emotion and you can't see your way out, right? That's where addiction comes in is being trapped in that emotional awareness, that emotional space. I, I have the ability to express to my family because I've taught them that that's what's okay. I've taught them that instead of turning around and saying, why are you overwhelmed? Like, just go do the kitchen. It's no, I'm overwhelmed. And they're like, okay, mom's overwhelmed. I need to step up. Right. Because they're not overwhelmed. The same situation that's overwhelming me is not going to overwhelm somebody else. Right. It's understanding that just because I'm going through something doesn't mean everybody else is going through the same thing. And that's when we pick up, right? If you're going through stress and struggle, if you're on the verge of addiction, in the middle of addiction, post-addiction, doesn't matter. Other people don't understand what you're emotionally experiencing, what you're mentally experiencing. And that's where they judge. Mm -hmm. That's where the judgment comes in right? For you and me, we can step back and go, I understand that that's how you're feeling, right? My daughter threw my words in my face today. She says, mom, don't take it out on me. <laughs> like I'm not trying to, and I apologize if I am, but, and then I went and we had the discussion, right? But she even said that to me. She says, mom, I know you're frustrated, but stop taking it out on me. And I'm mm -hmm. just like, oh crap. <laughs> I'm doing something right. Yeah. I find that a lot of high power people, you know, you mentioned politicians and people of, of, of higher status have a very tough time even expressing emotions. So it does take a couple of times for you or I I know for me, I'm working with these, these very high powered women and high stress jobs, high achievers who are like, I don't know. I don't know how I feel. And it's like, you're bypassing, you're bankrupting your own self, you're bankrupting your emotions. And so, you know, really staying in touch with your innards, your insides, instead of saying, well, I don't know. I don't care. Right. Because if you continue that long enough, it's going to show up in other parts of your life. It's going to show up in your work. It's going to show up in your marriage, your money, 
your children and so on and so forth. And so when we come from a place of expression and we've made that decision to express, then we get to start to create from there. We create these strategies that are actually going to benefit you in the long run so that when you do get in an argument with your husband or your child, it's not rage. It's, oh, how do we unify in this? I'm feeling a certain type of way. You're feeling a certain type of way. How do we come together in unison and create actually a bond from here? Not a trauma bond, but a positive loving kindness bond so that if this were to happen again, we know where our safe lanes are, our safe spaces are. And remembering that your emotions aren't caused by other people and other people's emotions aren't caused by you. When I had this discussion with my family today, my husband has been very much struggling. He's, he is a go, go, go person. So for him to not be able to go, go, go at all, it's a struggle for him. So I know he's emotional, right? And he's struggling with that. Today, I made sure, and I made it very clear to my family, this is not because of you. I am not frustrated or overwhelmed because of you or anything that you have or haven't done. I'm telling you, this is how I feel and what I need for you to do to help me. And that makes a difference, right? Your addiction, your struggle, your mental health is not directly related to anybody else. If you have a trigger, no matter what that trigger is, and I, and I will repeat that no matter what that trigger is. If, if you let's, let's take a specific trigger, right? Not putting something in the dishwasher. Okay. Let's say that I fly into, I don't, but let's say that I fly into an absolute rage. I do have mild OCD. So if you don't put things in the dishwasher a certain way, instead of getting angry, I just redo it. Um, I just kind of just move stuff around. Right. Um, I like it organized. (laughs) It's easier to remove. Um, So I don't get mad about it. But if I did, right, if I got angry because people weren't putting things in the dishwasher a certain way, am I getting angry at them or am I getting angry at my own belief that they have to be a certain way? If you and I live together and you didn't care, just as long as you put them in the dishwasher, I don't care how you put them in there, right? You're not going to be triggered the way that I am because you don't think it the same way, Mm -hmm. right? So It's not the person's fault who's putting them in the wrong way. And it's not my fault for believing that that's a trigger, but I need to own that trigger. There is no fault. It's my brain says that's a trigger. My emotions go. Mm -hmm. Right. We addiction is that your brain is saying that a certain thing is a trigger, which is creating an emotion that you're not processing, which is triggering an action of addiction. Yep. Yep. Yeah. hundred percent. Couldn't agree more with that whole cycle. Yeah. <laughs> Wish people understood that more. Like there's so much, and this is why I have, and, and that's not a promo. This is why I have six businesses because I have such concepts 
and ideas that are like, yes, <laughs> the world just knew about these. They would be so much better. But, you know, having one business that does 50 different things is probably not a good idea, which is why I have multiple <laughs> businesses, right? So, um, but each of them kind of have the same foundation, right? It's what you need. It's what you want, how things are supposed to look for you, Everything that I do, and I mean everything that I do, comes down to identity, comes down to you as an individual person. Yeah, love it. Yeah. All right. Is there anything you'd like to add before we get going? What I'd like to end on is this, and I actually have it sitting in front of me, and I always uh, and shows, podcasts, you name it. Um, with the same thing. So when you start to accept life on life's terms and you can get to this place of choosing life on life's terms, you do get to a place of happiness. Um, This quote that I have, it's a piece of paper someone gave me uh, a couple years back during sobriety and my five-year anniversary. So it says, I need to concentrate not so much on what needs to be changed in the world as on what needs to be changed in me and my attitudes. And I see this every single day. And so I always read that last sentence. Yes, it has everything to do with alcoholism, this whole quote, but concentrating on what goes on within. I can't change the world unless I do that. Unless my habits change, unless my attitudes change, unless I change first, I can't have expectations of other people changing. It starts with me. So I would love to leave everyone with that. Yep. I absolutely love that. It starts with you. I can unconditionally love because I unconditionally love myself. Mm -hmm. And that comes down to knowing and loving who I am. And express all the flaws, yep, all the things. Well, and that's the thing. You unconditionally love everything about yourself, but that doesn't mean you need to like it all. Uh, right. For anybody who is a parent, you will understand this. I unconditionally love my children, but I yep. do not like them all the time. Right. <laughs> they know that. <laughs> they know that. <laughs> I will love you always, but I don't have to like you today. That's right. Um, and, and that's okay. Right. We don't have to like, I don't like the fact that I'm overweight, but I love myself. I feel confident and comfortable and yeah, you know, when I'm ready to change my weight, I'll change my weight. It's, you know, I, it, you don't have to focus on, and sometimes that just comes natural. Right. So anyway, all right. Well, thank you so much. Brittany, for joining me today. I really appreciate it. This is always a fantastic topic. Thank you. All right. If any of you would like to get a hold of either myself or Brittany, please feel free to check the links in the description of this video. Uh, Under Brittany's bio, you can find all of her links. Under mine, you can find mine. I have one. I'm creating a one page of all of one stop shop of all my shit. Um, (laughs) please like follow and share the show. Our sponsor today is a Phoenix identity, which just happens to be my main business 
all about identity. We are doing the Empowered Warrior Women's Challenge, where I'm going to teach you the five ways that you're giving your power away and how you can start to take it back now. So go and check that out. Link in the description. Um, If anybody would like to be a guest speaker on the show, or if you would like to see a topic featured, remember, the show is called Giving You Something to Talk About. So what do you want to talk about? Join us Monday to Friday at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. For all of you watching, much love. I'm your host, Melissa Crutchler, and I will see all of you on the next episode. Bye. Bye.